So, Father, we thank you for your word today. And, Father, I thank you that your word is as a two-edged sword, that it divides between soul, spirit, joint, marrow. It judges the intentions, the motives of the heart, Lord God. And, Father, today we ask that your word will correct our thinking. Even as Pastor Mike was sharing, that they become, they come a shift in our mindsets according to what is important. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So... A couple of weeks ago, the beginning of December, I started talking about building our lives on a solid foundation. And I'm, I'm laying this teaching in you because I believe some storms are coming. Look at the person next to you. Say, the reason your pastor is preaching this message is because storms are coming. We're even looking at one of the craziest storms hitting right now, the whole United States of America. It's not just confined to a region. It's hitting the whole nation. Can I get an amen? amen? And so the Lord has given me this teaching to teach you and sow into you so that you know when the storm does come, you're going to make it through the storm. Why? Because you're built on a solid foundation. Let me tell you what storms are. Many people look at storms as something to be afraid of. Storms are not to be feared. Look at the person next to you and say, don't be afraid. Of the thunder and the lightning. Don't be afraid of the storm. The problem is, is when you build your life on the world system and the world system begins to shake, you become afraid because that's your foundation. But for the person who builds their life on Christ as their foundation, on the teachings of Christ, when the storm comes, it's an opportunity for you to increase. Maybe I should say it over here. You see, what the storm does, it comes and shakes everything loose that's not on a solid foundation. And that's when transference happens. Look at somebody and say, when there's a storm, things are shaken loose to transfer into the hands of the righteous. That's why we're launching Kingdom Business. Because some businesses are going to shut down and some brand new Kingdom unshakable businesses are about to launch. There, there is a work that we need to do, and it takes resources to get the job done, right? And what God is doing is He's setting up His people in this season to start something so that there can be a, a channel of wealth brought to you, but not just for you, to flow through you. Because that's what the covenant is about. True prosperity, look at somebody and say, true prosperity happens in the overflow when it no longer when you're full and it flows to someone else that's true prosperity if it's not flowing over you then you're just full but prosperity flows out of you to be a blessing to others amen and so we're going to see that happen this year i remember when we started we started in 2008 when the whole financial market crashed the housing market crashed not a very good time to start a church. But I tell you what, we've only been blessed and we've only prospered every single year since then. We launched a business in 2009. Not a good time to launch a business. But you know what? When we launched the business, the Lord told us to drop our prices, make them low. And when we did, we filled up. Amen. And for those of you who don't know, we have childcare. We have preschool, before and after school care camps. We have a private Christian school. We serve children Monday through Friday. 
Five days a week, 52 weeks a year. We're closed seven days. We're open from 6.30 in the morning till 6 p.m. at night. Amen? And we have amazing staff and teachers, probably 50 or 60 of them, that serve kids every single day. We're doing what Jesus said, bring the kids to me. <laughs> Let's bless them. Amen? And every year we see increase because we're doing what God has called us to do. And if you'll discover the thing God is calling you to do and you'll obey Him, you'll see the increase every single year. And we want to help those that are called to the business arm in this church to take their positions so that God can start flooding resources to you because we've got to start building churches. Can I get an amen? We want to put a 2,500-seat building on this property plus a whole downtown plus schools. Can I get an amen? So we need to raise up the millionaires and the billionaires to fund it so we don't have to go to the banks and beg the financial system for money. God is going to fund it through His people. Can I get an amen? But we're not, we're not trying to get millionaires to come in. We're not going out to, to bow down to millionaires. We're just going to raise them up. And you're going to know where you come from and you're going to know why you're doing it and you're going to do it for the kingdom. Amen? And you will never lack a day in your life. And you're going to see acceleration. Even as the anointing came on, Elijah, and he outran the king's chariots. The best horses and chariots, 60 miles, 30 miles, he outran it, 60 miles an hour. You're going you're to overtake what the world is doing in a short amount of time because of the anointing that's coming upon you. Ah, oh, I feel it. Acceleration. Look at somebody say, there'll be an Acceleration. What some would do in five years, you will do in one. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27 says, this is uh, the Berean Study Bible. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus speaking, and acts on them, say acts on them. So it's not just good to be a hearer of the word, but you've got to be a doer of the word. He says, is a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain fell and the torrents raged and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because its foundation was on the rock. Say a solid foundation. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them is foolish, like a man who builds his house on sand. And the rain fell and the torrents raged and the winds blew against and beat that house, and it fell. Everybody say it fell with a mighty crash. And so... You have to decide how you're building your life. When you say you're building your life, you're building it on principles. There has to be a standard that you live by. What is the standard that you live by? What, is, what makes the final decision about how you choose to live? Is it what your parents think? Is it what, is what the media says? Is it what's popular in the world? Is it a trend? The Bible in the book of Genesis talks about two genders, male and female. But the world is talking about 80 genders right now. So what do you build your life on? Do you believe what God says, that there are two genders? Or do you believe what the world says, that there are 70 genders? That's what's happening in our day and age. And you've got, you got to know the Word of God so you can discern what is right and what is wrong. Because if you choose to start building your life on principles that are not found in the Bible, it's sand, it's shaky, it's the opinions of people. It's without God. And anything that you build on without God will collapse. And when it crashes, your life crashes with it. Jesus, the head of the church, said that if we will build our lives on His words, on His teaching, that we would build our lives on a solid foundation. And He guarantees, everybody say this, it's a guarantee. Yes. 
Say, God guarantees that if I build my life on His Word, I will weather every storm that shows up in my life. What is a storm? A storm is something that is out of your control that comes with threat to bring destruction. That's what a storm is. Something that you didn't cause, maybe you did cause it, but storms are usually things that are out of your control that suddenly come up out of the horizon and hit you unexpectedly. Last week we were preaching this message. Right as we left service, we found out that somehow the hot water pipe in the preschool on our Port St. Lucie location broke underground. There was water running out the building into the streets. Uncontrollable. What are you going to do? Freak out? Lose your mind? Start cussing? Pitch a tantrum? Shout at the landlord? Or are you going to go fix the problem? Amen? And so we had a whole bunch of people show up, and we fixed it within five hours. Ran new piping, ripped walls out, dried the building, all done. So the next morning, what could happen? The kids could show up at school, and they would have a place to go. We didn't call the parents and say, oh, sorry. Sorry, no school tomorrow. Our building flooded. Let's take the day off. Amen? Because if you run your business that way, your business is going to close. Because parents have to go to work and they rely on you to take care of their kids. And just because, just because you're having a bad day, you can't just shut your center down. Amen? You've got to come up with solutions. And if the Lord is with you, He'll give you the wisdom and He'll work it all out. Can I get amen? Why? Because He saw it coming. He already had it all arranged. Amen? Hallelujah. So you can go back and you can listen to... What we preached the last month, you can check it out on uh, Pure Church's uh, YouTube account or on Facebook. There's a link there. But I spoke about building your life on the written Word of God. Everybody say, build your life on the written Word. Then I spoke about building your life on the spoken Word. According to Matthew or Luke 4.4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Say the spoken Word. Then I spoke about building your life. On Jesus Christ as your foundation. Having a revelation that He is the Son of God. He's not a carpenter. He's not a uh, a Mary's boy. He's not a prophet. He's the Son of God. And I tell you, when you get a revelation of who He is, you build your life on Him. The gates of hell cannot prevail against you. You become solid and there's nothing that the enemy can do to take you down. You actually go take territory. You take the gates of hell. Can I get an amen? You storm hell. People are hiding from the devil. No. We are the church. We take territory. Look at somebody and say, the enemy has been defeated. He's got no feet. He's been disarmed. He's got no arms. He goes about like a roaring lion. He's not a lion. He pretends to be something. He's a big pretender. Say, I'm invincible. I will not be overcome. I am victorious in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Then I spoke last week about building your life on the laws of God. Now, this is controversial. 
Because when you hear the word law, everybody naturally thinks about the law of Moses. Look at somebody and say, the law we're talking about is not the law of Moses. It's the laws of God. Just like gravity is a law, if you submit to the law, gravity will work for you. Amen? You jump off a roof, it doesn't matter what skin color you are. doesn't matter which part of the planet you're on what your name is or who your father was or how much money you have in the bank, how well-educated you are, the law will work for you. You're going to hit the ground. Can I get an amen? And it's the same thing with the laws of God. God doesn't micromanage us. He has put laws in place, and when we come to understand the laws, and we humble ourselves, and we humble ourselves, we submit ourselves to the laws of God, then he promotes us. Like the law of lift. I'm not a pilot, but I've heard about this thing, and I've flown on a plane. When the plane is on the runway at a certain speed, it's stuck to the ground. But once it hits a certain speed, like 220 miles an hour, suddenly a new law kicks in. It's called the law of lift. Gravity still works, but this law of lift puts the plane in the air. Amen? And it's the same thing with God. There are laws in the kingdom, and when you submit to those laws, God lifts you up. He honors you, and He promotes you. But you have to humble yourself. When I said this last week. How do you trust God? People say, I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I trust you. That's not how you trust God. Look at someone and say, that's not how you trust God. Coming to the altar and crying, God, I surrender, is not how you surrender. The way you surrender is you say, I'm not going to live my way anymore. I'm going to find your law and I'm going to submit to the law. I'm going to humble myself. That's how you put your trust in God. Not just saying, I trust you. You actually have to do something. Submit yourself to the mighty hand of God. Resist the devil and he will flee. But a lot of people are trying to resist the enemy, but there's no submission. You're doing it in your own strength. Look at somebody and say, the only way you get authority is when your life is built on the Word. That's where you get your authority from. You get your authority from Jesus who is the Word. And when you build your life on the Word, you draw authority to overcome whatever's coming against you. But if you're not on that foundation, you have no authority. You're just like a kid making a lot of noise. I'll say this. When my kids were younger... Right? They thought they were the boss of the business. We won't say which one. And my daughter Paige would escape. She would escape her group and she'd be walking around the building. And my wife would go to the counselor and say, how did my daughter escape the group? She told me that you would fire me. She told me that I was allowed to, that you said it was okay. She's, she doesn't have authority to make those decisions. Amen? But she's using somebody else's authority to get her way. Can I get an amen? And you don't have authority until you've got a backup. Amen? Hers was illegal, but you've got legal authority that you can get from Jesus. Amen? My daughter gives us the best stories. We have the most epic stories with Paige. She's the funniest kid we have, I'm telling you right now. 
She keeps things exciting, just like a mama. So, I got to be brief here because I got to get you home. But listen, I just want to share a little bit before we close today about the law of love. Say the law of love. We have to build our lives on the royal law of love. James chapter 2 verse 8 says, you do well if you keep the royal law. The reason there's a royal law, a kingdom law, is because the Bible says that God is love. Look at somebody and say, those who do not love, do not know God, because God is love. And because God is love, His laws are built on the foundation of love. All of the laws in the Bible are there to bless you. They, just like a parent wants to protect a child, you put laws in place. Do not touch the hot stove. Some parents take it too far. They say, don't go play in the rain when it's fun. But don't cross the street without looking left and right. There are certain laws that are put in place to protect you. Parents, one of the parents' main responsibility is to protect their children from harm and from danger. Can I get an amen? Don't open the door to strangers. Right? And so God has put laws in place to protect His children, not to take their fun away. Can I get an amen? God's laws are there to protect us, to keep us within boundaries. Because when you cross that boundary, you're actually putting yourself in danger. And God doesn't want you to get hurt because He loves you. So many people look at the laws of God and they say, Ah, I'm not going to obey those laws. I want to do my own thing. Well, that's why you get hurt. And I get an amen. And the Bible says in the book of Matthew that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. And equally as important is to love our neighbors as we do ourselves. This is the first and greatest commandment. It is all built on love. And you have to understand that God wants you to grow in love. Look at somebody and say, God wants you to grow up into His character and His nature. And God is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. I am love. And God wants you to love because you're His child. Can I get an amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 7 says, If I could speak all the languages of earth, that's the nations, if you could speak every language, and of angels, that means angels have languages too, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such great faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And so without the love of God, everything you say, no matter what language it's in, is considered a noise. Not just a noise, an annoying noise. Without love, everything you know and everything you do will account for nothing. Without the love of God, all your gifts, all your generosity, and all your sacrifice produces nothing. It's important for us to understand 
Everything you say, everything you know, and everything you do without the love of God is a waste of time. It's a waste of resources. Your life will say nothing, your life will be nothing, and your life will have nothing. And I wrote in my notes, nothing means nothing. Everything your life produces will have no value, no importance, no part, no share, no progress. And worst of all, your life means nothing to God. And there's coming a day where we're going to stand before God and we will be rewarded for the things that we've done in this body. And if we don't build our lives on the right foundation, everything that we do becomes a work to try and get God's approval. Instead of understanding God approves of us, and when we build our lives on what He says, then we're honoring Him, and there'll be rewards for that. Can I get an amen? amen? Family, this is more than just obeying what is written. You have to have a relationship with the Lord and discover the things that are spoken. You have to learn to live by revelation, and that's what we're growing you up into. What is love? If I'm supposed to live this life of love, what is love? According to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, love is patient. Say patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous, boastful, or proud, or rude. This is the love of God. Amen? It doesn't demand its own way. It's not self-seeking. It is not irritable. If you get irritated, you're in the flesh. Look at somebody and say, when you get irritated, your foundation is selfish motive. It's not the love of God. I mean, that one gets me sometimes because sometimes I get irritated. Everybody say, oh, me. God wants to perfect our love walk, right? This is a good one. The love of God keeps no record of being wronged. That means you don't have a filing cabinet that you pull out with files Every person in your life, and you can go back 50 years and say, hey, on October 1st, you said this to me. You did this. You took that. Family, when we keep reminding people of their sins, there's no love in that. Nobody likes being reminded of their mistakes, amen? But love covers a multitude of sin. We don't expose people's weaknesses. The love of God does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. The love of God endures all things. Amen. It never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures every circumstance. This is the love of God. What's important to understand is that human love is conditional, but the love of God is unconditional. You can read in the Bible that it says God loves you, but nowhere in the Bible does it tell you why God loves you. The reason the Bible doesn't tell you why God loves you is because if there were conditions, then it would be conditional love. But it's the agape love of God, and there's no strings attached, and there are no conditions attached to it. Human love is conditional because it's self-seeking. If you will do what pleases me, then I'll love you. But the minute that you don't do what pleases me anymore, I don't love you anymore. It has conditions. It has strings attached to it. That's why a marriage has to be built on the love of God. Both husband and wife need to have received the love of God and understand how to grow in the love of God and to love each other the way God intended us for, to love each other. If it's on conditional basis, the marriage will always be in, in a fight, in an argument. Because if you don't do what pleases me, then I don't love you anymore. 
I'm hitting some conditions in the heart right now. I'm going to the roots of this thing. Because we have to build solid homes. Look at somebody and say, we have to build a solid home. Why? Because storms are on the horizon. And if a house isn't built on a solid foundation, that storm will tear your house apart. But what God wants to do in this season is He wants a solid household that from a place of safety, a place of refuge, we can be a blessing to the world. If you're on a solid foundation in a storm, you can be a refuge to others who have been blown in the storm. But if you're not on a solid foundation, how are you going to help somebody else? You are the one that needs rescuing. You are the one that needs help. And it's all about how we live. And I'm here to tell you today that God loves you, and His love is available to every single person. And God wants to do something in your life and in your family today that is going to set you up to see the commanded blessing in your life. Can I get an amen? Look at the person next to you and say, we're going to have to grow in our love walk. That means we're going to have to lay our lives down. That we cannot be self-seeking. Cannot be irritated with one another. Keeping record of wrong. Being proud. Boastful. Rude. Hey. Who's got some work to do? We all do. There's always another level. Amen. Let me tell you what unconditional love does. Romans 5.8 says, God showed his love for us when while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what love looks like. When I don't deserve it, when I'm an enemy of God, when I'm a hater of God, he gave his life for me. That's unconditional. Romans eleven twenty nine says, the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. That means that when God gives you a gift or he gives you a calling, he never takes it back. No matter how bad you mess up, God never takes what he gives you away from you. Because love doesn't do that. Amen? Unconditional love will lay down its life to the point of death for someone who hates you. That's a far stretch. Jesus says, pray for those who persecute you. Bless your enemies. That's the level of love God wants to bring us to. God wants to bring us to the level of love where we send our enemies and our haters gifts. That's what the Bible says. It would be like pouring hot coals of shame upon their heads, and your reward in heaven will be very great. Why? Because God loves the just and the unjust like both of them the same. Can I get an amen? What is going to change people? It's going to be the love of God. When you show people kindness, they don't deserve. Has God been kind to us? Has He shown us mercy when we didn't deserve it? Likewise. Did God forgive us when we didn't deserve forgiveness? Likewise, we need to do the same. How do we show God that we love Him? Two or three more scriptures and I'm done. John 15.10 says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide or remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in His love. Who wants to live in the love of God? The Bible says if you live according to the commands of God, then you abide, you live in the love of God. Say, well, how do I love you, Lord? You obey Him. 
Second John 1, 6 says, And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. This is the very commandment you have heard from the beginning, that you must walk in love. So the key to walking in love is to obey the laws of God, which are love. When we obey God's laws, we abide in His love. And family, it's about surrendering your life to live according to what God says. The written, the spoken, according to the laws. Amen. And I encourage you to read your Bible, not just to read the stories, but find the principles in the Bible and start living by them. Don't just be hearers of the word, become a doer of the word. That means you surrender your life, you do what the Bible says, and you will see God promote you and bless you. You will be built on a solid foundation. Amen. And you'll always see God promoting you and increasing you. I'll tell you a quick story and we'll pray. When we started the church back in 2008, um, it was in the first two, three months, we were renting some space. Uh, we moved out of our house and we moved into the Knights of Columbus or something. And um, we did a memorial service up in Jacksonville for a family member. And there were about four, three, four hundred people that went to the funeral. And I don't know, I, we were in this room and I, I, sh I got to share and speak and I did an altar call. And somehow my voice boomed in that room. I don't know how it did. I don't think I had a microphone. And 300, about 300 people got saved that day. They gave their lives to the Lord. And the majority of the people in that room was our family members, right? And so Missy and I decided that we can't just leave them stranded. We need to start a church in Jacksonville. So we had two churches. We had a church right here in, Port, in, in Fort Pierce. We would have our service in the morning. We would pack our van up with the sound equipment, with a projector, with a computer, with all our stuff. We would drive three and a half hours to Jacksonville. We would set everything up again and have an evening service, pack everything up in the, box, in the car again, and then drive home three and a half hours. We did that for eight months every week. And one of the very first services that we drove up to Jacksonville, I was walking around the pool outside the place that we were renting, and I was praying. And while I was walking around there praying, I had a vision. And in the vision, I saw a house. It was a gloomy day. It was a dark day in the vision. I saw this house. And this house was like totally destroyed. It was raining. There was a hole in the roof. I got to check this whole house out. I like walked through the house. The windows were broken. The doors were smashed. There was rodents and insects and reptiles crawling around in the house. There was mold on the walls. There were, there were holes in the, in the foundation in the floor. This house was a mess. The yard outside was overgrown. You know, you get those sticker things and, and, and all kinds of stuff out in the yard. And as I came around to the front of the house and saw the porch, it had that big yellow tape that the city puts up. And on the tape, in big words, it said, condemned. And then I saw the whole scene change. I saw a bulldozer come in and tear the house down, cleared the whole lot. The sun came out, and a brand new foundation was laid. And I heard the Lord say, the foundation is ready to build upon. And family, there's a brand new foundation that you have to build your life upon. You cannot take the life you currently have and, and try to fix it, patch the roof, paint the walls. The foundation is wrong. The foundation is sin. The foundation is selfish. But you have to remove that foundation and install a brand new foundation so that you can build right. 
Amen? And this scripture says this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 through 23. By the grace that God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one must be careful how he builds. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or straw, the workmanship will be evident because the day, judgment day, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will prove the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as if through the flames. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Say, I am the temple of God. Let no one deceive himself. If any of you thinks he's wise in this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. Say it amounts to nothing. Therefore, stop boasting in men. All these things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All of them belong to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God.